Happy draft eve, everybody. We are close to hitting submit on our final mock drafts of the season. And we're all trying to make sense of the top of this draft. We're going to comb through all the latest news and market movement. As always, Connor Allen and Scott Smith and two special guests today for our final mock draft show of the season. Let's go! Line. My wife is wondering what the hell is going on. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined as always by Connor Allen, Scott Smith, and again, the special guests. We have Anthony Amico from ETR and Ben Solak from The Ringer. Gentlemen, we appreciate it. Uh, Anthony, how we doing, bud? Uh, ben, I know you're a busy man. We only got you for a little bit here at the top, buddy, but uh, how are things? Uh, what did Bill say when you told him I said hello? <laughs> uh i'm i'll be honest i forgot about that one i'm gonna have to <laughs> i have to cycle back with him on that yeah it's dude it's draft season man what a time I to know. be alive electric feeling i'm living on caffeine all right well, well let's go there man where where are we at i mean we feel good about one we'll put one to, to bed i don't know that we know anything different than we did last week uh when we we're talking about number two uh so where are you at now ben in terms of where we're at with the second pick yeah i uh I think that, right, the public has kind of narrowed it down to Will Levis, Tari Wilson, and then maybe Will Anderson kind of still there as a dark horse. For me, like when I can't peg a pick down in terms of like getting it actually reported, then you kind of try to keep it simple, stupid. You go back to Occam's Razor. You try to just understand like fundamentally what, what's the situation with the team. I find it very suspicious that they would pass on a quarterback at two and then take one later at 12. I like that is not that doesn't make sense to me. It's not really the way NFL teams tend to behave. I also tend to believe that that general managers after they've had a couple years on the job, if they haven't drafted a quarterback, they have to draft a quarterback too long if the team hasn't been winning and the Texans team is not winning. This Texans team had the first overall pick, man, they had it. And then they lost it because they beat the Colts. And then they were going to trade up for one, but then they couldn't do it because the Panthers got the pick. And then it was going to be okay because they were still going to get Bryce Young at two because the Panthers were going to take CJ Stroud at one. And then the Panthers changed course, Bryce Young. The team that endured all of that, I don't believe is going to take a risk by passing on a quarterback at two, presuming that they, they want to get one in the building. And they have to, because right now they have Davis Mills in the building. So they, they, they clearly need to add a quarterback. And the most short way to do so is to pick one at two. So that's my expectation. I think they pick Will Levis at two. I think they have to take a quarterback. Amico, where do you feel about the other narrative that we hear? Hey, they can take their favorite at two. They have a pick at 12. They can just trade back up. Um, you know, I think we all think that that's pretty flawed logic, but we are hearing it pushed from, I don't know, some reliable sources in terms of what we've seen historically from the Texans. Yeah, I mean, just how much do you love that quarterback if that's if that's going to be your plan? Like, I mean, that doesn't, that's not really a, a good sell to me. Um, not to mention the fact that, that the quarterbacks you're passing on, let's say it's Will Levis and you pass on him, like you're, you're giving him to a, probably a team in the division. And that's like, that's like a multiplier on top of the risk that you're taking. I, I just don't really buy it. I mean, like I, I know that Casario is a Patriots guy and those, those, those guys in, in general have been very difficult to predict. And they do things that are, that are definitely uh, not standard, I guess, NFL practice, but that is a bridge too far for me, I think. Uh, ben, we saw, we had a uh, clip of you actually uh, talking with Bill in, in a recent show, kind of rocking his world and around what the Patriots could do in this draft. Do you think that the Patriots being involved and having interest helps Levis's case to two? Because I think it does. Um, it, you're telling me that a team that's won a bunch of times in the last 20 years has interest in a certain guy that we could just sit here and take. Um, that is another thing. If I'm thinking about if the owner is involved, he has a say. I don't know. I think that that's something that I don't, I don't think that's hard to connect those dots. Yeah. I also think that if a team is 
trying to get up to two to go get Levis, then it's presumed that Levis is going around that range, right? Like you're, you're typically trying to get ahead of where Levis is going to go and you can't get to one. And so it sounds like Levis is going to, is expected to go extremely early. I think that like we're at the point now where NFL chalk league wide Levis is QB two. Like to me, like that's like, like Bryce Young is very clearly QB one. Levis is very clearly QB two and then Stroud and Richardson. And that doesn't necessarily jive with where we were in March. Right. Like, remember leaving the combine and being like, wow, Anthony Richardson blew that thing up, but also CJ Stroud threw the ball incredibly. Like that's what, where we were talking about since then the dust has settled. Like Levis is the clear QB two for the NFL writ large. And so I think there's, there's the Patriots interest in my opinion, like, yeah, it solidifies Levis as QB two. It solidifies him as a potential second overall pick kind of makes more clear the way the quarterback dominoes might fall when we get past pick number two. Scott, where are you at with uh, the Texan stuff? I know you were kind of, you know, pulled on the defensive end thing a little bit. And I think the defensive end thing is almost a separate debate. It might be obviously irrelevant if it's Levis, but I think we've even in the last maybe I don't know, two hours have had a little bit more Will Anderson stuff in terms of where it's feeling like is Tyree. Uh, where are you at with, uh, with Houston? I'm, I'm tuning out all the noise right now. I'm just reverting back to kind of my own process. I think, uh, when you start looking at it and you start really talking to people and I, I'm not one to, you know, talk bad about anybody else and, and their, you know, their, their process and their sources, but everybody wants to feel important. Like they have the source and even the guys that we've been looking at, like Lance Erlon that we feel like are, are tuned into these things have been flip-flopping over, you know, what, it, what seems to have been, Oh, I have this connection. I have that connection. So um, I, I think, you know, when it comes down to it, I'm probably, going to make a last second decision here in the next couple of hours um and it, it's still up in the air between those three guys i think logically the will Levis stuff absolutely makes sense um you know i, I listened to michael lombardi's podcast and, and you know he's somebody who knows the people that are making these decisions right now and, and you know his stance was that he thinks that you know by all means casario is going to end up you know taking tyree wilson and then lobbying to move back up to three. You know, the opposite side of that that Daniel Jeremiah pointed out is that if somebody's worth moving back up from 12 to three, then he's worth, worth picking at two. So there, there's a lot of angles to go ahead and, and unpack in this. And I, I'm really not sure where I stand on, on the position. Um, I've got three different mock drafts up. Really, two of them are, are side by side. And this is the Levis option. And this is the, the edge option. And then there's one I'm kind of working on in the middle. It's like, well, how do I mix these two things to make a hybrid and be accurate? So um, that's kind of where I stand. And look, I know that's not much help for a lot of people, but I am not tuned into Houston as far as like what they're what they're doing. I don't have the sources, and so I'm relying on some of these other things and other sources out there. And they're just they're, there's nothing consistent out there. And Connor, the other thing too here is that they do pick again at 12, and there is depth at the, the position. You can get edge at 12. Um, if you happen to like a Nolan Smith, he could be there. If you like Lucas Van Ness, if you like a Miles Murphy, like there are going to be edge rushers available for them. Now, again, obviously, if you have a significant difference in terms of how you evaluate the players, that Tyree Wilson, size, speed, all those things, checks all those boxes. Those other guys maybe have some other questions and concerns as, in terms of how they project. But where are you at with Houston, buddy? Yeah, we're having a good old fashion source off here between Lance Zierlein and uh, John McClain because uh, John McClain is saying, oh, well, the pick's been decided. Uh, you know, it's going to be Will Levis. And I mean, McClain is knows, you know, Cal McNair and his buddies with him. Uh, and if that's who you, who you think is making the decision here, then I think the pick is pretty clear. Now, that being said, Lance Zierlein has said multiple times that it's a 0% chance, not like maybe it is. He said today it is a 0% chance it's Will Levis. 
Uh, I mean, that feels very confident for someone who wouldn't know, but then I feel like there would be an answer of who it is then if it's not Will Levis, if you were 0% on him. So I don't know. I think that I'm leaning towards Will Levis. This is a very pro Will Levis podcast group we got here. I know that not everyone shares that same sentiment, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm that's where I'm leaning at, at this point at whatever, 310 central time on the day before the draft. Didn't intentionally book uh, Levis at two crew, but we did kind of stumble <laughs> into uh, some of that support. Um, ben, we keep hearing, obviously, the other piece here in the top five, especially, is Arizona. What does Arizona do if they stay there? Which seems like such a neglectful way to go about team building in terms of when you look at what that roster is. Um, I guess, what do they do if they stay? And then who do you think is in play to trade up for them at three? Yeah, I think that uh, they would love to get out of this pick. I don't know if they're going to be able to get out of this pick. As it is, I've long heard them connected to Tyree Wilson. And I think that if Tyree is still on the board, I think he's the pick for them. That's my personal lean. Obviously, Paris Johnson, the offensive tackle out of Ohio State, has gotten a lot of smoke recently. He's pushed up in the betting markets. Like I think that they like Paris Johnson a lot. But I've known the Tyree Wilson love for longer. And that tends to like stick with me right when they, they they really like a guy and they've always liked that guy as opposed to paris johnson starts to become like a, oh well if tyree wilson goes two to the texans we need a backup plan at three maybe we would take paris johnson there so to me i think it's tyree if he's there if he's not there i lean paris johnson i've seen the christian gonzalez interest gonzalez is a very hard player for me to slot i do not know how to get gonzalez in the top 10 i would not i'm, I'm passing on all gonzalez analysis for the foreseeable future i'm struggling with him uh but all those options right like you say like None of those sound as good as some team coming up to come get quarterback two or quarterback three, depending on what the Texans do. So I think that they'll sit, they'll wait, and they'll work the whole clock trying to get a team to trade up. And then if not, they'll take Tyree, and they'll feel like they got a blue chipper. Amico, where are you at in terms of teams that are in the mix here? We know that the Titans have, have been there. We've, been, we've heard some reports that the Titans are more likely to trade down than try to trade up because they're another team that, you know, new GM, uh, pretty – I don't know, a lot of holes in the roster. They probably need to be adding assets versus giving them up to move up in a draft that's considered a little bit weak. But if you have a guy that's, you know, you have earmarked as your quarterback of the future, maybe you leverage some of that. Uh, what do you think are some viable teams to move up to three? Yeah, I mean, I think Titans are probably just not picking at 11. Like, I think it's up or down. Like, they're going to come up and get someone that they want. And if they can get that guy, they'll just move back and, and try to acquire assets. Um, you know, obviously Houston, if they do this, this, this thing at two, I mean, like, I, I think it's possible that they're just, negotiating this all the way through making that selection at two maybe and, and trying to get both of those picks. I think that's possible. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a chance that that the move up here maybe isn't even for a quarterback. I mean, if, if the Cardinals are so desperate to move back, uh, you know, I know, I know Josh Norris mentioned the Eagles maybe coming up and, and trying to grab Will Anderson or, or, you know, some other team maybe trying to get one of these edge guys. Like, that's possible too. I mean, I don't think that the cost – if a deal doesn't get done – with the Cardinals, I am pretty confident that it's not going to be about the cost. I think it's just going to be about, you know, for whatever reason, someone doesn't want the players that they can get at at two, at three. Because, uh, I mean, again, Monty Austinford is, is one of these Patriots guys. I mean, how many times has Belichick moved back and we look at the draft and we look at the trade and we're like, oh, man, like, he didn't really get enough there. But it's just like the surplus value. It's just good like to move back when you have literally the worst roster like the only player that's good on your team is is coming off a, a knee injury like they need they need picks they need players and i, I think that he kind of understands the assignment here or at least i hope he does so I, I think that this is this is really more about who are we coming to get than anything else 
sorry, stepped on you. Uh, internet is uh, undefeated throughout the process. Um, ben, I only got you for another five, so I'm going to kick it to you and get your thoughts on what do we do with the cold Ford? I think Ford. Yeah, I have a feeling this has to do with the Colts, man. <laughs> All right. Here's my, here's my analysis on the Colts, independent of whatever question Ryan asked me. We'll just roll from there. Colts need a quarterback. I was asking Ben uh, his thoughts on, on Levis. Non, non, Colts pick non-Levis. Levis is off the board. What are the Colts doing? Yeah. Screw you. In I there. think the Colts are, are pretty well painted into a corner to take a quarterback. Uh, I think they'd love not to be. I think if Chris Ballard had full, you know, carte blanche, he could do whatever he wanted, then there's a chance this wouldn't be a quarterback. However, you don't get to ride the veteran carousel five years in a row and not have playoff success and then go, you're six, baby. Let's kick it. Let's do it. Let's get, you know, uh, yeah, Teddy Bridgewater in here and let's run it back. Like, it's just not, it's not viable. They have to get a young player in the building. Uh, in my estimation, Jim Ursay, as an owner, seems pretty quarterback mobility pilled. Like he was, when he talked about Sam Ellinger getting the start, when he, when he made him the starting quarterback last year, there was a lot of his mobility, his creativity, his ability to solve our offensive line problems for us, so on and so forth. So I lean Richardson for them. I will say that like, look, I think the Colts have done a really nice job manipulating the information that's gotten out from them. You've just heard that they absolutely love Levis, who, as we're getting closer to the process, is a guy that they're probably not going to get anyway. So it doesn't cost them anything to do that. Uh, and then you really like you haven't you've heard that like, oh, they're not certain about Shroud. Oh, they're not certain about Richardson. I think they've done a really nice job hiding their hands in terms of what quarterback it is. They like it at four. If Levis isn't on the board, kudos to them for that. I lean Richardson off of like my analysis of the team, but I don't have any any like information that's like, oh, you know, they're definitely going this way or that way. So definitely quarterback flip a coin between the two that are left. And before we let you run here, what is your either most confident position as we stand here uh, a little bit out or maybe you know, highest leverage position that you really need to have happen here on Thursday night. Yeah. Levis being the second quarterback off the board is good. Levis being the second quarterback off the board that goes to the Texans is better. Levis being the second overall pick of the Houston Texans is best. And that's our kind of our, our, our ladder for how we've built out this Levis market. And I'm, I'm happy with where I landed on that. Um, as we've gotten closer and closer to the draft process, the Will Anderson overs at like over two and a half, over three and a half, and particularly Will Anderson at six to the Lions. I know the Lions like Will Anderson a lot, and and I know that they've poked around trade-ups, and it hasn't been super clear what they've been doing that for. Like the, the natural presumption is quarterback. I think part of it was, was Will Anderson interest. Uh, there's a chance that they get to sit at six and just take him. Just let Will Anderson fall to them. And I tell you, like, you thought the Penny Sewell celebration between Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell was a fun video to watch. You watch yourselves a Will Anderson celebration when they get to stay at six and get him. I think they'll feel great about that. Uh, and so I like my Will Anderson overs that they like it's not the same market as it used to be, but over three and a half I like. And then exact at six, I think is is uh, is worth a look as well. And that's something that I've hit recently that I think is a lot of fun. Love it. Appreciate it, buddy. Know you gotta run, but uh everyone check yeah. out. Ben Solak on the ringer um, and you know, he's beyond you better. Don't tell, you bet, you don't go tell, get that don't tell people what to do, Ryan. Don't be bossy. They can do whatever they I want. suggest it. I suggest it. It's very good content. I don't know. I'm a fan. So right. good stuff. Thanks. Appreciate buddy. you fellas. Y'all take care. Let's run pure. Miko, where are you at with, uh, with the indie quarterback situation? We feel pretty good that it's a quarterback, but in terms of Levis off the board, we feel good. And I, uh, the caveat, we think it's going to be Levis based off of what we've been told if he is on the board with Indy, but in this exercise, he's off. Uh, what do you think they're doing at the quarterback position? 
Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, I think they're Levis one, Richardson two, Stroud three. Um, I, I don't, I don't really like. Maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way, but I don't see Ballard as like this like crafty maniacal genius. Like he's basically just like said nothing and let everyone else talk for him. Like what a great spot to be in. Like you haven't committed to anything. Everyone's done the committing for you. Um, but I think that the Levis stuff has kind of made sense for them since the beginning. I think that like Ben said, like the mobility stuff, like Richard Richardson is just like a way better sell. I think right now, when you look at the whole process, how it's gone, uh, which Stroud and yes too, we've heard some rumblings that maybe his interview didn't go well with, with the Colts. Um, I mean, I saw that thing today where he was saying like, you know, I'm not a test taker. I'm a football player. Like, I don't know. I would have liked a better response probably like just own it, you know? Um, so I, I think that like, this Richardson stuff is just a way to really ignite your team. Like everyone just saw what the coach you hired did with Jamin Hurts. Like I know that he doesn't necessarily have to coach that kind of a quarterback. Like I think he's just a good coach, but man, you just think about the things that they could do. Like I think that, I think that that just makes a ton of sense. Scott, where are you at on, uh, on the situation? Again, I know you're still contemplating Levis being there and that makes it probably a little bit easier for you, but uh, Colts, quarterback situation or maybe not i mean daigle did a mock draft very recently here and had will anderson go in there and was poking holes in the need for them to even take a quarterback uh i, I disagree with that but uh i don't want to pigeonhole you into a corner yeah i don't see the will anderson thing going they will be uh on a, on daigle island uh dealing with that one he's so. not afraid to hang out there no. i'll be honest um I, I mean like i said i i've i've been adamant all all throughout the process that the first person i i heard you know, with the Colts was Levis to the Colts throughout the entire draft process before they started doing anything. Um, I think he's the player that I, I feel most comfortable with there, but we, we have to get through this this Houston situation. And when, when you're doing a mock draft and trying to get these things to fall, like one through five is pretty much your foundation. And if you can, you've got cracks in your foundation right now, it's really hard to, to go ahead and get it. Um, I don't have a read as far as whether it's Richardson or not. Um, when you start talking about Ballard, he had his interview a couple of days ago where he said he's even either answering the question as a straight shooter or he's dancing around things. Um, so that's that's pretty much where he stands. I, I don't agree that he's some maniacal genius that's, you know, throwing propaganda out there to get his way. Um, I, I think it is what it is. I think they legitimately want Levis. And if uh, Levis isn't there on the board, I think they're having adamant discussions, whether it's, it's Richardson or Stroud. Um, and, and right now, sticking true to my board, the valuations, the mock drafts, and and some of the consensus big boards and team needs, I, I, I tend to lead a little bit more towards Stroud. Yeah, it's going to be – it make a great point with the way you described it foundationally because, you, you can like, we keep spending a lot of time on this, but, like, you just can't go further down the board until you have a really clear understanding of, of what happens here. And there's just a couple of key inflection points. And if you don't have them nailed, there's such a massive trickle-down effect of how it impacts the rest of the teams. Connor, Seattle, uh, we've had some Jalen Carter news even since the last time we met yesterday in terms of – uh, you know, a syndicate group getting in on that massive money and it impacted the line quite a bit. And, you know, we've had, I think people that should be well connected to Seattle taking very strong stances on both sides of the aisle here for the duration of the draft process. But as we stand here about 36 hours out, 30 hours out, uh, what do you think is happening here with uh, Seattle and, and or Jalen Carter? Yeah. So I gave a pretty strong take there at the end of move the line yesterday about how I thought Jalen Carter was, you know, not going to go in the top six. Uh, and that, a lot of that had to do with, we got information on Detroit, uh, 
you know, not being involved in that. And I thought that based on the tea leaves that we have heard and the kind of the reasoning behind why Seattle wouldn't be interested in Carter, it made a lot of sense. Now, none of that matters if we have information that says otherwise and the, the Seahawks don't feel the same way that we do or Rob Statton does or anything like that. I mean, just straight up, like Rob Statton is about to get Connor Hughes. I mean, he said 99% that, uh, you know, uh, Jalen Carter will not be a Seahawk. Uh, I'm very significantly higher than, you know, that 1% uh, at this point that Carter is going to be a Seahawk. Um, I do want to go back though real quick because we're getting some instant, like interesting action here at four. Will Levis is is down to uh he's four and a half but he's only under or like minus 210 on the under uh at circa only plus 170 on the over i mean he's taken he was like minus 500 or something like that uh on the same prop i think like a couple hours ago so and he's about even now with stroud where he was like minus 180 versus stroud uh, again like about a couple hours ago so I don't know. The winds are blowing an interesting direction here at Circa. I don't see any other markets at any other domestics like to play any Will Levis stuff. I mean, there's the one way like minus 1500. Will he be a top five pick? Obviously, there's nothing actionable there at this point, but I don't know. I can circle back to Amico here, like just like instant reaction off that because I mean, that there's a lot of assumptions being made that he's not going to be picked at two or four there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think that a lot of people are selling the two stuff. I mean, like Lance is not saying is saying like very adamantly. And I think a lot of people just naturally will go with that. Um, and then at four, like the, the indie people are like, I don't know if this is like a coping mechanism or what, but like, they are like super against the idea that this pick is going to be Will Evans. And, you know, I think a lot of the, a lot of the guys in the media, like I was listening to the, like the athletic pod and all these other podcasts today, like, like they're putting Stroud at four because they believe that Stroud is the next best quarterback. I just don't know if the NFL agrees. Like that's the thing, and I and I think that like if you have some really big Levis positions, like maybe people are just playing it back a little bit to even things out, um, because I'm sure that the price the price now is better than it was before by a significant margin. So like I, I don't know. I, I still I still think that ultimately the NFL values Levis more than Stroud. Um, I I don't know. I, I have a hard time. Like I think that like like the Carter line movement you referenced is massive and like i see that and i'm like okay like that's probably happening like to me like this just sounds like a little bit of playback and we'll see if it holds yeah also too i think it's worth noting so i messaged uh jeff benson one of the guys over at circa i don't know maybe a week or so ago initially when they made a big move with something else and i was like hey like you know hypothetically like how much money would it take for you to move something like this he's like well i can't really answer that but uh we like to move things aggressively that was what he said so you know, I think that there's kind of a perception that Circa takes a bunch of action and like, you know, they're the sharpest lines. I think to some extent that's definitely true because they do take a little bit more. But like, I mean, a couple thousand dollar pops, you know, I'm sure that they're moving this really aggressively. Uh, and so I think something to pay attention to, but I thought it was noteworthy. I mean, moving a couple hundred cents of juice uh, is, is at least worth talking about, I think. For sure. I don't I, do, I think there's an element of it, too, where like we are close and you're probably getting some more casual action into the marketplace than you probably have had like us sickos who have been doing this for months. Um, and I don't think that that's nothing until like Amico's point. The, like, I do think the casuals or people entering late had heard that it was CJ Stroud. They've seen CJ Stroud play at Ohio state. He comes on their TV once a week. Um, yeah. At one point everyone thought he was rumored to be the number one pick and people can't really divorce themselves of the perception of how can the guy that was just a surefire number one, not be, 
to the second or third quarterback off the board. And I just don't think that that's how this, this works. And so I think that you're going to get some buyback on that where it's like, I just don't believe. Yeah. I posted it into our discord today and it, just my, my top 10, just before we get on here and some, you know, people are like, I can't believe Stroud's not in the top 10. I'm like, I don't know if Stroud's in the top 10 right now. Like I think that that's, we have to be open to that. Now, again, he probably is if someone moves up or there's an Arizona trade or whatnot, but like it just sticking without trades there, there are outcomes in which, a quarterback here falls outside the top 10. I think that that's probably CJ Stroud. Um, so I don't know. I think that that's probably part of it too. And I think Amico makes a good point too, is starting to balance portfolios a little bit because there's so much like information out there that doesn't seem to be concrete. It was like, let me flatten some positions, ensure that I can get some profit, you know, on either side. I don't know. I think that that makes some sense too. Scott, I want to kick it to you and get your thoughts on the Jalen Carter thing, but you can feel free to add to any of the, the conversation there on the, the Will Nevis news. So when it comes to Jalen Carter, um, just my process, the way I start looking at things, I, I, first of all, I look at talent. You know, do, does the talent justify the position that he's being projected to be in draft? The answer for him is yes there. You know, is there a need within that team there at Seattle? You know, yes, they can absolutely use them. Have they had visits, whether it be at the combine, formal visits, top 30 visits? The answer is yes. They've had three visits with, with Jalen Carter. And then you start talking about it. And the last thing that I start to check off was, is logically, do you have media that's going ahead and projecting them there? The answer is yes. And then you turn around with the syndicate net making some bets. And then you have money there as well. So I have two things within my top five. And I'm, I'm really looking at this draft from a structural standpoint. I have Bryce Young at one. I have Jalen Carter at five. Structurally, there's only two other ways for this draft to fall within that top five. And that's Will Levis to go at two or an edge to go at two. There's no other way that I see this board falling other than that. And so with that being said, it's starting to narrow down the players that I have going in the top five. And I really just have it narrowed down to six players. So I think when you start looking at that from a structural standpoint and, and you know, trying to figure out what your outs are, the only way I don't see Jalen Carter going there is if you have a situation where Will Anderson drops down to five and they have to make a, a decision on whether they're going to take the clean product in Will Anderson Jr. or whether or not they're going to go Jalen Carter. Um, I, I, th I think Will Anderson has a few other outs to, to go before he gets there to, to Seattle. But once again, the backbone that we're looking at is follow the money. And if the, the money's been getting hit and you start watching that line move, and I, I want to say it's like close to around minus 200 on some of the books now for Jalen Carter to be there at five, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Jalen Carter, at least in my mock, he's going to be there at five to Seattle. So that's where I fall right now, just structurally with the way I'm building things out. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Miko, we have more time, but we had, had Todd McShay talk about uh, essentially a parachute spot for CJ Stroud's fall um, that he would not get past Detroit. On well, some of these scenarios that we're talking about now, Will Anderson, who's Anderson or Stroud <laughs> in Detroit, if they're both on the board. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I should give more I should get I should give more thought to Stroud going there. I just like it just doesn't sound like they've done a lot of work on the quarterbacks. Like I feel like that's been kind of a consistent message that we've heard, and maybe that means nothing. I mean, I don't <laughs> like I just I kind of just wouldn't really be surprised that, with anything that Detroit would do. Like I think that they're just so well positioned that they can kind of do what they want, and we don't really have a good way of viewing what they want because. I mean, everything that we know about this regime is that, you know, Brad Holmes loved Jared Goff and he's played well enough to keep the position. And they're kind of like a big favorite now, I feel like, to win the division and and, and do some stuff. 
So like, is now the time to draft a rookie quarterback? And then on the other hand, it's like, well, we're probably not going to be this high ever again within the next like two, three years. So like, should we just take him now? And I think it would make a lot of sense to take a Stroud or, or really any quarterback at six. Um, I just, I don't know. I guess I just haven't really, hasn't really come together for me where I'm feeling like that's kind of their preference. Connor, where are you at with that? Is that, I mean, I think we gave some credence to that last week, but now that we, the way things seem to be falling, it looks like a little bit harder of a sell uh, for them to, again, another team passing on Will Anderson, who's naturally falling to them. All right, so I'm not going to lie to you guys. I have bets on three guys for pick number six already. Uh, and it's Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, and CJ Stroud. Right now, that's like plus 650, plus 710 to one, at least current odds. Um, I don't hate it. I think that one of those guys is going to be there um, almost certainly. And while initially I leaned Devin Witherspoon, kind of some of the, I don't know, I guess wording out of Detroit was that uh, taking a corner that high isn't something that they'd necessarily be super excited about at this point. Uh, and in addition to that, they did not sign Jared Goff to a contract. And, you know, the quote that I got was dancing around an extension in the off season. So it makes me think that there's a little bit more credence to them potentially taking quarterback. Now, uh, you know, I asked Solak that same question and he pushed back on it pretty heavily with, you know, some people that he talked to, but uh, I mean, again, I think that any of those three guys are in play there for a sprinkle. Uh, if you have like a strong lean, like, I don't know. I mean, I think Will Anderson could be there. I think Tyree Wilson, a guy that I was very sure was going top five at this point. Uh, I bought off a little bit on the over four and a half at plus money at Caesars uh, today, just to lock in a profit because I mean, this medical stuff cannot be shaken. Uh, if two is Levis and three, it seems like there's a lot of Paris Johnson's team. It could be Tyree Wilson, but a lot of Paris Johnson's team. And if they trade out, we, again, like Scott said, Carter and five is one of our, something that we feel pretty good about at this point. So, you know, what's going to happen there. And so I think that that's kind of like my issue is like, there's a very real scenario where he falls out of that top five. And so that's why I kind of played back some over. I still think he's likely to go top five, but like, I think there's some outs there where he doesn't. And so that's kind of how I'm playing this. Like, I guess these three guys here specifically. Oh, good points there. Smart too. Because now you're, you're hearing more about the medicals that we thought we had maybe poked holes in. Uh, and again, I don't know if that's just noise or, you know, late scrambling or uh, new sources. I have no idea. It's just so hard to keep up from down. Uh, we had also had a play, Scott, on the uh, Jalen Carter going to the Bears, right? We felt like we had been Carter to either the Bears or the Eagles. And now it feels like Carter is going to be off the board for, for both clubs. Um, so, Scott, how do you want to approach what we think the Bears do? We know that they would love to trade back. They've been tied to some offensive tackles. Uh, looks like they'll probably have the pick of the litter. What do you think we do uh, there at, at Chicago at nine? Yeah, throughout the whole process, uh, Darnell Wright's the name that that I've been hearing, um, and he's still going to be my lean there because I, I think there is there is some question whether or not they prefer Darnell Wright over Paris Johnson. There's also some you know some some smoke and some steam that Paris Johnson could go earlier. I, I absolutely think there's a, a possibility that uh, if Arizona gets stuck and absolutely can't find anything. I think their primary goal right now is to build around Kyler Murray. And I think they, they plan to do that with offensive line. And, you know, you, you're talking there at, at, at three, if, if Tyree Wilson's the pick at two, then I, I think you, you're definitely in, in a position where, you know, I, look, Norris talked about it with, with Philadelphia. Tony Pauline since backed it up that, that Philadelphia is looking to move up. 
And so if Philadelphia does indeed move up to, to three, you know, Will Anderson could possibly be the target. So you have a situation where you, where you could run young, you know, Tyree Wilson and then Will Anderson at three and then have the Cardinals sit there and move down. I, I really think it's between Paris Johnson and and uh, Darnell Wright. There's been some some whispers that Lucas Van Ness is in the mix, but I, I think they're looking to build around Justin Fields. I think they're going to give Justin Fields every everything that he needs to succeed within this year. And at the end of the year, it would have them with enough of a sample size to make a decision on how they want to go forward with the picks and assets that they have in the 2024. So that's just my lean um, with the threat of, of Paris Johnson possibly going early to a couple of other teams that my lean is, is that it's going to be uh Darnell Wright. Connor, you sourced this out early for us uh, and said that, that Wright was their preference at tackle. Um, looks like it's kind of coming in a little bit. What are your thoughts here on uh, Chicago or in Wright in general? Yeah, I mean, since we're like a day off from the draft, I'll just, you know, whatever, say exactly what they told me. So at this point, um, so I, you know, I was talking with my Bears guy and basically he said they would love Jalen Carter if he's there. Uh, if he's not there, the guy that they really like is Darnell Wright. Um, and those are the words no one else has brought up. You know, again, like I think that Paris Johnson is probably in play. You know, if he's there at nine, like he fits everything that they want. Now, that's just again, that's like my opinion on that. The two names that they brought up was Jalen Carter and Dale, and Darnell Wright, no one else. And so, you know, the the things that and the things that we got about Darnell Wright were oddly specific about like durability and you know like exact fit at right tackle. Like it's like strange things that you wouldn't normally pencil in. So it's something that and it was someone that you know I trust is not biased in any way. They're not a media guy or anything. Like it was just something that you know would may has made sense and they've come through and they're batting you know 100 so far this offseason specifically so uh like i think that if paris johnson's there it might be a decision uh if darnell wright's there i expect them to be the pick so um that's where i'm at if you can find anything plus 300 i think and i think it's probably better odds than that um but anything like below that you know like there's still a chance for like tyree wilson was before they made the trade was like their number one player on the board like they love Tyree Wilson. Uh, and so if he's there, like that's probably going to be their pick. And I think there's still like an outside chance of that. So um, that's kind of where I stand, at least at nine on the Bears right now. Spicy. Tyree Wilson. People want to sell a Tyree Wilson at two and we got him falling a nine of the Bears. Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just saying. Uh, where are you at on any of this, Amico? Any uh, thoughts on Paris Johnson? Who like, we want to put to Arizona, but like not necessarily at three. And it's just really hard to it's really hard to do this. Yeah, I mean, this gets back to what Scott was saying. Like, <clears throat> depending on what you do in that top five, like Paris Johnson could like kind of easily fall the nine, you know, or or it's just like you have no shot. So I don't have a strong take here. I mean, I think that this is kind of like the range where you could see a lot of action, like eight, nine, ten. I'll throw the Raiders in there too. Like, I just think that these are teams that are kind of like willing to move around the board a little bit. I mean, the Bears and the Falcons, I think more specifically going down, you know, the Eagles coming up, uh, Raiders maybe coming up. Uh, so, you know, I, we're going to find out just how much these, these teams like these players. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right? Like, like, are you, are you busting a tier to, to get Paris Johnson? Like, I don't like, I, I don't know. Like if that's how your team feels, then maybe you're making a move up the board. If, if you think that, um, you know, one of these corners or, or something like that's something you can sell to another team, uh, and you can pick up assets. Like that's something that I think you'd like to do also. So, I mean, I feel like polls has kind of understood, like, like move back, move back, move back. And I, I think that that's probably still their number one preference. Um, but yeah, like I definitely buy obviously everything that Connor's that Connor's saying regarding like what they do if they're there. 
I, I want to interject here with a quick little Schefter bomb mid show here. That is the, the biggest nothing burger I've ever seen of a Schefter bomb ever. So he tweeted this while Houston hasn't received much action trade action so far for the number two pick. The Texans have explored the idea of moving off their second first round pick, the number 12 overall selection per sources. Texans have made calls about moving back in round one, but also about moving up and tweet. I mean, what the fuck? Schefter, that's what you're going to give us the day before the draft. I mean, what is that? That's a joke, man. Like, it's like nothing. I mean, I'm wondering if like, they're just like, we'll take the D end at two and we'll just capitulate and we'll just kick this pick into next year and we'll, we'll sell the whole thing and try to get Caleb or something. I mean, yeah. Like, is that what they're saying? Just like, like, is that, is that them just like capitulating on Levis? Like, I don't even know. Like, what does that, what does that even mean, Shefty? The thing that makes the least amount of sense to me, I know we're not really on the Texans, but like the hooker stuff just makes no sense because it's like, you're going to take a quarterback that, that can't even really play probably to start the season. Uh, like you're, you're going to be bad. Like you're not going to have a great record. And now you're going to have this quarterback that like you haven't really evaluated at all. Uh, and then be in position to maybe draft another quarterback. Like, I, like that's just like, I have action on it, but like, it doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Those are two separate things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's go there real quick. Cause I was actually going to toss it around the group and have you guys talk about something that you want to get the group's thoughts on, but let's talk about Hendon hooker in general, because we, We've all, well, you know, Scott, Connor, and myself have been pushing back on the theory of Hendon Hooker as a first-round pick for most of this draft process. We've kind of laid down a little bit to the increasingly loud drumbeat by, again, just mainstream media, uh, big, you know, big oil in the space um, who continues to say, hey, Hendon Hooker is a round one pick. Someone's taking him. Um, where are you at right now, Scott? Um, I guess, is Hendon Hooker? going to make an appearance in your first uh, first round of the mock draft? Uh, and where is his home? So you are the only person that has really persuaded me. So if you want to pat yourself on the back, but earlier today when I heard you talking about Hendon Hooker to Seattle, it, it's, it's a spot that kind of makes sense. Um, I, I have done a little bit of research and heard that from different sources that Seattle is not going to come out of the first round w- without a quarterback. Um, there, there is some some rumors and, and things to that um, right now. And I've been asked on, on different shows, you know, will I place a bet on him and Hooker to be a first round pick? I'm just not sweating it. I, I don't feel like even even sweating, making the pick and being pissed off at myself because my evaluation on him is not to be a first round pick. So if I make that bet and Hendon Hooker doesn't become a first-round pick, I'm going to be pissed off that I should have stuck with my evaluation. Um, with that being said, the big media members that are a lot more plugged in to me, you know, they seem to think that, that Hendon Hooker is going to go ahead and, and be in the first round. Seattle makes sense. So I have not finalized my mock draft. Um, as of right now, I have Hendon Hooker as the first player out of my top 31 um, if I do move him in, it's going to be that I was persuaded to move him to Seattle. Uh, John Daigle hanging out with us uh, in the chat, noting that every team received a letter this morning from Hooker's surgeon uh, that he is on track to be fully cleared by week one. Uh, yeah, anytime that you can get a guy just cleared in time for week one uh, coming in as a rookie quarterback, you got you got to make the pick. Uh, Connor, where are you at with uh, with Hendon Hooker? I think I echo almost exactly what Scott said. Uh, I was looking up exact uh, right now. I mean, the issue is that like the four to five most likely spots here are all pretty high. So like Minnesota's plus 500, Raiders plus 600, Titans plus 600, Seahawks plus 750 on FanDuel. I mean, 
I don't know. I guess I'd probably rather just put him there in my mock. Like, I don't really have any conviction on it. I think he probably ends up somewhere in round one, but like, I, I don't know. I would almost rather go with like the bucks or commanders at like 15 to one or 16 to one. Like, I don't know how it works out or how it happens, but you know, maybe a trade down or trade back up or something like that. Uh, I mean, shit's going to get weird in the second half of this draft. Commanders fan Scott Smith just gave you a side eye. Uh, when you mentioned uh, the all uh, in for Caleb next year for the DC, the DC fans. Are you sipping the Howell Kool-Aid too, Scott? Or what's up, man? Like, I mean, why, why are you giving me a sign out? Hook, hooker's a dog. I, I'm sipping that the uh, Washington has no direction this year. That's the Kool-Aid <laughs> that I, I'm sipping this year. And uh, you're going to have new ownership take over here shortly and clean the house after a year. So I, I think they're, they're in a full mode where it, it's one of three positions outside being edge, you know, with, with today and, and the way things went down with them not picking up the fifth year option. Um, I, I just, it's, 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 it's rough being a commander. <laughs> Amigo, uh, and hooker. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've been kind of, I've been on this, like, like I, I'm, I'm buying this kind of the whole way. Like, I just think that this whole, I mean, like, regardless of what I think about hooker as a player, like, I just think that he was kind of on this track pre-injury. Like he was, maybe going to win the Heisman. Like he did really well against Alabama. The, the, the buzz that we've heard on hooker has been super consistent. Like since it started, like it had, this is not like Davis Mills was the 30th pick in one mock draft. And then like a week later, no one talked about it, you know, like this has been like legit. So I, I, I buy it like all the way, like he's in my first round. I have him to Seattle. Uh, You know, I think that there's, I think that like, I mentioned this in my last mock, but like, I think that, this is almost a natural fit. Like I think that you could make a lot of similarities between hooker and Gino, like aside from the age, just like coming out of these like offenses that people would say is gimmicky. Um, you know, I, I think that hooker has mobility, which is not really been talked about at all. I mean, I know we haven't really got the same run or anything like that, but I don't know. I, I think that this is kind of, does this Pete Carroll football? Maybe I, I can, I can kind of get behind this, this matchup. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at too. It's Seattle and I'll put them in the first round. And I, I just, I kind of just trust the reporting on it. And Seattle's a team. It does kind of go off the board. And I think Miko makes a good point where I mean, Beast isn't he really off the board in terms of where he was pre-process pre-injury. Uh, so uh, now I want to just, again, share the load so that I just don't happen to be talking when uh, shit goes completely sideways on my internets, but um, I'll let you guys toss around to the group uh, situation Um Anything that you're looking at that you kind of want to get the group's thoughts on in the first round, um, kind of, again, just kind of share stuff a little bit here, too. Um, I'll start, too. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes is, again, another guy that I have maybe would have said I'm, I'm maybe capitulating a little bit. I did not have him as a first-round pick. I think it's uh, something you can't avoid now. I think he could start as early as 16 to the commanders. Um, in terms of Joey Porter Jr., Brian Branch, Emmanuel Forbes, um, kind of how are you guys sussing that out? And do you think that there's any team specific fits, any system in terms of like the way defenses run? And how do you, where do you kind of, kind of have the cornerbacks going there in the second half of the draft? Uh, go to you, Amico. Yeah, I mean, I think that Forbes, again, like if you take away the size component, which is obviously massive, like he's a baller, right? Like this is the kind of like a guy that that team seemed to like and that they want. Um, I mean, Kuiper was like really first on him. I feel like, like he had him like middle mid teens in, in one of his earlier mocks. Uh, and now it seems like he had, it's like full steam ahead. I mean, he is an excellent athlete. He has long arms. He's just like incredibly light. And uh, 
who knows how much of that's really going to matter at the next level. I guess we'll kind of see, but I think that he's kind of in, and I think that branch might be out, uh, I, which is weird because I think that like branch is probably a really awesome football player. Like he plays the toughest position in Xavier's defense in terms of the secondary. Um, you know, he processes the game really, really well based on what people say. I mean, I'm not breaking this guy down, but like he ran a four, six and like, you know, we just saw Dax Hill who ran like a four, three, five, and is basically like the same position, like in terms of like nickel slash safety. And he went at the end of the first round, like, yeah, like it was a, a much better class, but this guy's way, way slower, like not, not the caliber of athlete. So I, I think it, I have an easier time kind of, kind of pushing him out. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Uh, Scott, what do you got for the group? Yeah, I think when we're, when we're talking about specifically like these cornerbacks, uh, like you said, I, I think, I think Forbes is like minus 400 right now to be a first round pick. So there's no value even on, on, on betting him. Um, I, I think he's, he's live to go 16 to, to Washington. The big, the big thing that I found specifically when it comes to Joey Porter is, is with Washington in particular, there's some concern about the way that they run zone. And I think you're going to have other teams that may have the same concern with Joey Porter is that they don't trust him and his vision and, and what he sees when the ball's necessarily in front of him. They, they like him jamming. They like him mirroring and, and, and covering throughout. But uh, I, I think there's there's some concern there. But the, the bigger concern is that, from my understanding, you have a handful of teams that have flunked him on medicals. Um, so I think that's one of the big things that could push Joey Porter further down the board than what you, you've seen him ranked and even evaluated with with a lot of these teams. So when you start trying to match him up to some of these teams on the back end that, that need cornerback, I, I think you're going to it's going to be a situation where Forbes is in front of him. And then I think you're also going to have Banks definitely in front of him. Um, and then the only other thing, you know, speaking on branch. I think Branch is going to be valued a bit more and a bit differently than some of these other players. I think coming from the whole Alabama and Nick Saban camp, I think that holds weight with a lot of these teams. Specifically, the team that I kind of like him to, if they don't trade out, is Philadelphia there at 30. Um, he doesn't have the same athleticism as what Chauncey Gardner-Johnson does, but he plays very similarly to the way Chauncey Gardner-Johnson does. He can go ahead and guard the nickel out of the slot, and he can go ahead and play some safety and have that hybrid versatility. And, and I, I think he's a player that would fit there. And coming from that saving camp, I think that's a team that would definitely value him down there at 30 rather than slipping out of the first round altogether. Yeah, it's a good call. Uh, what I am hearing, though, too, the Joey Porter thing is interesting in terms of some of the teams in the back half that we're looking to slot cornerback to are some man-heavy teams. Detroit, um, the Giants, uh, those are teams that ran a like top six, top seven rate of man coverage last year. So uh, I don't I don't hate that for finding a home for Porter. I agree comfortably. I, I would be surprised if he went before De uh, Deontay Banks at this point. So yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. Uh, Amico, what do you got for the group? I want to know what you guys think about these tight ends. I mean, I think that we've the tight ends have been kind of like tossed around all process. Like Dalton Kincaid is like ninth on on DJ's big board, um, and then we have you know other people saying, well, the medical might not be there, and and he might just fall out of the first round. So so how do you guys stack up these tight ends right now? Yeah, this is uh, this is Evan Silva versus Syndicates uh, Part One Hundred. <laughs> uh, you know, Silva is saying that. There, that Kincaid's going to fall, which I think is totally fine. You know, I think Kanish actually said that as well, that people failed his medical or like people were not eyeing his medicals. And then we have uh, another betting group saying that, you know, Kincaid's like a lock to go in the teens. Uh, I'm staying away, man. Like, I get it. I just think it seems like him and Meyer are just 
whatever the team specifically wants or Michael Mayer, whatever the team specifically wants, whether it's someone who can block more, be a little bit more of a move tight end. Like I could see the case for, you know, Kincaid in the teens, but I could also see the case if teams don't like his medicals that he falls like the late twenties or even falls out of the first round. I mean, like I'm, for me, it's a stay away. Like I, I, I can't touch this. I mean, I would almost, yeah, like I can't, I would consider laying Mayer, but with the news that like other people think he's going to go in like the teens, like I just can't do it. You know, like that's not something that I want to bet against to be honest. Um, when Silva's around, I, I tend to I tend to enjoy the Michael Mayer slander. But I, I think <laughs> as far as the evaluation goes, we start talking about how teams really struggle to get 15 to 17 first round grades within you know this class here for the first round. I think Mayer is a guy who teams and management and coaches are going to be a little bit more comfortable with due to his age, due to the the program that he came out of and do that. He's been available for this entire draft process. So I tend to lean that he's going to go ahead of, of Dalton Kincaid, not to say that I think he's a better player than Kincaid, but I, I think he's just got a little bit more versatility and, and team fit for a, a lot of these teams with uh, less of the red flags than, than what Kincaid have. I don't have any action as far as the, the tight ends go. Um, you start bringing Darnell Washington into the into the mix as well. I, I've got information that that a lot of teams failed him on his medicals as well. So I, I think that that kind of gets him out of the the first round as well. Um, during the process, I've kind of had Mayor pegged to to Dallas. It, it's a team that I, I think has made sense. But you know, when you start connecting the dots as far as media and some of the past things that Jerry Jones has done with the way he picks, I don't necessarily know that Mayer is going to go to Dallas. And I actually think he'll probably be picked beforehand. I think one of these teams from Detroit on down could, it could go ahead and, and be comfortable with Mayer after some of these other players that they have first round grades on start to fall off the board. I think Mayer's a person that and player that some teams are going to value as just being a safe pick and not being a bust. I agree with that too. I, I have him slotted to Dallas. I think it makes a ton of sense, but I also don't feel great about it. I feel like that's maybe his floor. I could easily see one of these teams above that grabbing him. Kincaid, within the last hour or two, I moved out of the first round. I don't feel great about it, but I feel like I went down a Cincinnati wormhole a little bit and uh, made a, a position change in general. I, I had Kincaid going to to Cincinnati and I made a, a completely different side though. So uh, where are you at? Are you a, uh, is Washington completely out now on you, for you or where are you at with Kincaid and Miko? Yeah, I took Washington out and I, I don't know, maybe I'm just hanging on, on to DJ too much, but I just feel like it's fair. He said, he said that teams, he said that teams are, are comfortable with the medicals and I'm assuming that those teams are teams that would want to draft him and he doesn't think he's going to fall that far. So I'm kind of like, okay, well, I get that. Like people think that this guy can be like the next excellent pass catching tight end. Like that's kind of a big deal right now. So I, I put him to the chargers. Like I, I think that tight end makes so much more sense to me than wide receiver in the first round, just because like, I don't really know if any of these guys are, are excellent prospects and tight end seems to be like a, a better fit for them. Like I get like, you kind of plan like a year away, but you know, they have three receivers already. So like you draft that guy in the first round, like he's not really going to be a full-time player. You put that, you draft the tight end, you draft Dalton Kincaid, all of a sudden, boom, like he's playing, you know, 90% of your snaps and, and he can fill some of that slot stuff also if you want to, you know, do some two tight end stuff. So I, that's where I'm at. Uh, I guess that's kind of like a middle, like I'm not in the teens, I'm in the early twenties. And, you know, I think that, I think that both of these guys have been hard to fit just because I am just like the trenches in this draft are so good, or at least like, very popular that 
in a lot of spots, I'm just like, oh, well, this guy, they'll just take an edge or they'll just take a tackle. Like, and then I all of a sudden I'm in the 20s. And there's depth at the position, right? There is some like day two talent at tight end. If it is something that you really need to come out of the draft with a guy, like you might be able to wait a little bit. So uh, Connor, what do you got for the group? Yeah, I, I have a question for you guys here. Like what price is too much to take like Witherspoon first corner, Witherspoon like over Gonzalez? I know Scott is probably going to push back on that because he's been a big Gonzalez guy for a while. But uh, I mean, at this point, it's I feel good about him going six or seven. Um, and I don't really see Gonzalez going six or seven. I mean, before that, like it would have to be, I mean, I the scenario where it happens, where it's like, a ton of quarterbacks go up top like Detroit gets like Will Anderson and then Las Vegas, you know, contrary to what we've heard about them really liking Devin Witherspoon and wanting him, they go with like Tyree Wilson or something like that. And both of them are there at six and seven and then it becomes a wild card. But I mean, that seems like a stretch at this point to happen. Like, like a really big stretch. I don't know. Like I, I feel like I'd be comfortable laying up to like almost minus 400 minus 500 at this point on that. Um, I don't know. Is that is that outrageous? Like, new, I don't know. Scott, I think you got to talk me back down to earth here, but maybe not. So, you know, throughout the process, I, I talked about the trends in the last 10 years when you start looking at these these cornerbacks. But, you know, throughout this process and specifically my model, it's starting to have trouble to find a spot for Gonzalez within the top 10. I, I, I think when you start – tuning in and keying in on, on some of these teams, the visits, some of the reports. I think Devin Witherspoon, and, and one of the things that I've heard is that in an interview process, Witherspoon has a cornerback's mentality. You, you look at the film, the way he tackles and things like that, and, and a lot of people are just saying that Christian Gonzalez is very passive. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that he goes to Detroit, even though that's one of the places where he's he's popularly mocked. But I, I think when we start looking at this, it, you know, as more news and I've been able to connect the dots and, and, and roll through my process and my sources, I, I think Devin Witherspoon is absolutely at this point in time going to be the top cornerback that comes off of the board. Um, I like him very much to uh, Las Vegas there. I think he makes a lot of sense for a team that struggled to have cornerbacks. I think he's he's in play for, for Detroit, but I think some other players might fall down. That, that they value a little bit more. And then that second pick there at 18, they have Deontay Banks and Forbes and some of those guys. So it just makes a little bit more sense structurally to uh, have Detroit go a, a different route and get, get corner a little bit later. But I, I think he's absolutely going to be, at this point in time, the first cornerback off the board. And I don't necessarily think that minus 300 or minus 400 is, is bad. I, I think you, you can go ahead and lay your money, and I'd be shocked if, he, if, if Gonzalez goes over him at this point. My, minus two ten at FanDuel right now. I mean, I've been I've been eyeing it. You know, it's one of those that's one of those things where you know got a little extra funds left over there. Don't really know what to do with them right now. You know, I think it might be something I'm laying there. Miko, I'm interested in your take here. If you're, I guess, wavering at all, or if there's like too much volatility with something like that. No, I mean, I I think that Witherspoon has the much tighter range. Like it seems like him being CB one is is kind of unanimous at this point. I know a couple people have Gonzalez. Like I think Brugler has Gonzalez ahead of Witherspoon, but even he, I think in like a mock sense has capitulated on, on who would be first. Um, you know, Witherspoon's like three to seven and like Gonzalez, like I feel like the earliest he can come off the board right now is seven and that's if Witherspoon is gone. So, I mean, I, I have a really hard time slotting him in. I know Solak said that at the top of the show too. Like, it's just like, if someone doesn't come get him, like he could fall to like 14 and I don't really have that concern at all with Witherspoon. So I think like, the doomsday scenario for this is like, yeah, like all four quarterbacks, the edge guys, like 
and all of a sudden you're at like Philly and Philly, and Howie's just like, no, like we're just not going to take a corner or something. Like I, I just don't really see it happening. And you had the Jay Glazer report today saying he's like shooting up draft boards. Uh, I mean, right. like every big media guy seems to be leaning that way as well. Like they've just heard nothing but good things. Uh, and as Nuno and I were pointing, you know, he's just got that dog in him, you know, like that's what he had showed up in the interview. He's got that dog. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That was kind of my biggest takeaway and something I just keep adding to. I'm like, I don't, I don't know like how else to, you know, how else to like avoid it because I keep going back to it. I'm like, this should be like minus 400, you know, like he's just cl the clear first corner for almost every team. It seems like. It seems like in Connor's scenario where maybe we're at like, it's not, here yeah you're good yeah kind of. in your scenario you know right on cue you're really bad for the last little bit that's brutal uh we have a question though um not buying mcshay saying atlanta most likely quarterback team no i mean i think i think that he would be in play there too you know like i think that he would be very much in play there at eight but ahead of gonzalez so it's like you know one of those things again where i still feel pretty strongly about that um I think we've kind of already gone around the horn here once, but while Newton's internet recovers, I think he should be good. But Scott, uh, what's kind of like one of your other like biggest positions at this point? I know we've discussed about a bunch of other ones. Uh, I have another bet to bring up as well after you guys are done uh, that we've been mulling over. But now after a couple more pieces of information come out, I feel pretty good about. But you got anything else for us, Scott? Yeah, I, there's a couple of things I want to hit on real quick. You just talked about Atlanta and possibly being a spot for Gonzalez. I just think Atlanta is very much sold on moving down. And I've been hearing specifically with Pittsburgh that Pittsburgh wants to move up. And I think when you connect the dots, they want a tackle. I think moving up in, in front of, of Chicago and, and if Paris Johnson's there, I think that's a guy that they could go ahead and take, which would also kind of align with with uh, Darnell Wright being the pick there for for Chicago. Um, and then we start talking about the, the B. John Robinson stuff. Um, that would also make sense for Atlanta to move back a, a few spots and still be able to, to possibly get Bijan. Um, so that that's even another reason why I'm a little bit out on finding a spot for Gonzalez within the top 10. I, I, there's been some steam there uh, where – you know, you, you even have Gonzalez falling all the way down to Washington, which I think Washington would be ecstatic if he fell that far. They actually started doing uh, some some visits with him late in the process um, that hasn't been necessarily been reported everywhere. So that's uh, one of the things. The other big stance that I've I, I've had is that I am a, a Maisie Smith stand. I, I think he's going to go in the first round. I've had him specifically to Buffalo in my last two mock drafts. Um, I'm probably going to end up having him there again. I, I think when you start looking at the way he moves the freak athlete that he is and, and in these trait based teams and specifically the fact that you have teams at the back four or five picks of the draft that all need defensive line I just think he's a guy that's going to stand out specifically even when you start to compare him to Kalaja Kansi because Kansi's got some some limitations as far as his size and, and, and things of that nature I just think that when we start talking about unicorns in this draft I, I think Maisie Smith is one of those guys and I, you know he's He's one of the guys I'm going to go ahead and plant my flag. He's going to be in the first round. So that's one of the things that I've been looking for. I haven't seen it specifically uh, where his over and under is at as of today, but I, I think he's going to go in the first round. I like it. That's that's a, it's a strong take. What do you think they would do if they happen to get – like where would they be in terms of like Smith or one of the receivers, like a Jordan Addison or something like that? What do you think they would do there? As far as which team? Buffalo, I'm sorry. 
Um, I, I still think Buffalo's in play for DeAndre Hopkins. I, I think that they'll be able to get him on the cheap. I think it's just a matter of working out, you know, what they're going to go ahead and, and get for him. I think Addison is, is a connection there. If he is to go ahead and fall back past, uh, you know, the, the Chargers, I, I think the Chargers for me, I, I'm leaning Addison or Kincaid, um, even with your uh, defensive back props that you have out there in the streets. So, um, that that's pretty much where I'm leaning with that. But I, like, I, I like Maisie Smith there with that fit to, to Buffalo. And, and I think that, I think they would go ahead and prioritize Smith when you just start looking at the contracts and the guys that they're set to lose here in the next year or two along that defensive line. So it, it's just a guy and look, I, I could be wrong and it not be Maisie Smith. It could be Brian Brzee or, or, you know, even one of these other guys, but I, I just tend to rank Maisie Smith and his traits and what he does over some of these other guys that have, have some question marks in their profiles. Amico, what's the hardest bottom half of the draft team for you to peg? Oh gosh. Um, Cause we know the half, we know the top half of the draft. The, yeah. The top, right. five I mean, the, the yeah. top half is so settled that the bottom half is, is the <laughs> yeah. top part. Um, I mean, Honestly, like I'm having a I'm having a difficult time with the Saints because I, I think that they could go in a lot of different directions. I know that D line is where I'm where I ultimately went and and where I think is like the favorite, but this is a team that that has other needs, like I think specifically at guard, and it's a really hotbed at guard in that area of the draft with like Avila and, and Bergeron and, and maybe Osiris Torrance is on the board. Like there's gonna be plenty of guard options there. Um and New Orleans is a team that tends to like move around a lot. Like Mickey Loomis loves to like trade an extra first and move up eight spots and take a guy you could add anyway at, at, at where they're drafting now. So like, there's a lot of, I think like just natural variance in, in what they could do. Like we know that they had, uh, they've had tight ends in, you know, they had Foster Moreau there and they were going to diagnose him with uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma or whatever it was like, like they have interest at a bunch of different positions that could all kind of be available there. And I, I think that like, we're all kind of leaning on the one that's the most likely, but I don't think that it's like most likely by uh, like the gap that is, that we have like in the mocks right now. Connor, how are you buddy? What's the, uh, what's the team that you're having a hard time mocking or pinpointing in terms of where they're going to land? Yeah, I would say uh, a lot of them, but uh, I have like, <laughs> I'm still kind of like crossing off guys. We talked about it at the end of the show yesterday here. Uh, like, I don't know. Does John Michael Schmitz make it in if he doesn't go to the Giants? Probably not. Right. So I think he's probably on the outside looking in here. I think I like the Hendon Hooker Seahawks stuff. I think that makes a lot of sense. Brian Brise, Brise, I don't know. Uh, I'm having a tough time pegging him to be honest, just in general here. Yeah. I think you'll never Eagles... talk about him again, Connor. I mean, that's the thing. Like, yeah, only Newton will talk about him because of his damn tackles. <laughs> like, is he gonna have yeah. tackle props posted for Brian? I mean, they don't even get tackles, though. It doesn't matter. You know, yeah, I mean, you see some uh big name defensive linemen get put, you know, he's like not gonna be a big half. name, though. He's not gonna be big. Yeah, name. No, that's that's fair. I'm just, just saying, you know, you'll occasionally see some interior defensive linemen get posted. Um, yeah, I started mocking the Jags, uh, offensive line. I originally had Brian branch there. I think I feel pretty good about them going offensive line now instead, uh, Bengals, If there's a corner there that makes sense, we've talked about them. I think that they go corner. Uh, so I don't know. That's kind of like, I have a couple teams pegged here, but then like the Cowboys, like, I don't know. I mean, would they take Jameer Gibbs? Like they want a running back for sure. Even when Pollard was like fully healthy and fine, they didn't want to give him the full workload. They were, you know, running some bums in there as well. So like, you know, I'm sure that they would love to have another guy to be like their one a, uh, you know, obviously I don't think Bijan gets there, but I still, I'm still holding that hope, man. I mean, trade up to 12 for Bijan from 26. 
Uh, it would be the absolute nuts. I mean, the best Unreal day on Twitter maybe ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to do with Gibbs. And Gibbs, too, Scott, we got that the other day, too, with both, like, Schrager, DJ, like, all coming out and being like, no, Gibbs is going in the first round. And it was like, the market was like, huh? Like, it was very, very <laughs> off in terms of what the betting markets were. Um, do you have a home for Gibbs? Is Gibbs going to be in the first mock? I don't have a home for Gibbs right now. He's in uh, the the top five players that I have, like the first five out right now. Um, I, it's hard for me. I mean, you, you start talking about Dallas. I, I've seen Buffalo, and, and Buffalo's a team, and especially look at what they've done in the offseason, what they did last year in the draft, like getting running backs. I just don't necessarily see that as a fit for, for them. I think you know, I've even seen B. John Robinson fall in the 27, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I, I think – there's an outside shot, maybe Philly or or maybe a team that that trades up. But right now, I, I'm probably not going to have Gibbs in, in in mind. I think you have to start to take some stands on some of these players here on the on the back end. And, and you know, I just talked about Maisie Smith being one of the stands that I'm I'm going to go ahead and take. And, and I'll be honest. I just don't see it with Dallas. When it comes to Dallas, Jerry Jones does things his way um, and, and what they're doing. And I think that's a team and that's a, a roster that you can start looking at the visits that they've had and, and start, you know, plucking off some of these some of these teams. And as, as you start seeing some of the guys come off the board, you start looking at the at their visits. I think there's an outside spot for Steve Avila to to be there, you know, for the Cowboys. I, I think you could see him or Osiris Torrance be a picker. I think when they start wanting to rebuild their 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 running back and their rushing attack, I think they may be a team that's going to do that through the offensive line rather than the running back. That's interesting. I was going to ask what the Amicos maybe off the board first round guy in terms of you know anything that's possibly left that's a plus money bet. Uh, but I'm pretty sure Avila is that guy for you, right? You are you have uh, Avila in the first round? Yeah, I mean, I like him. I think that like he's done a top he's done a top thirty with like every team. I feel like when I was looking at it, I mean, and he's a pretty decent RAS guy. I think he's like an eight point five. So there's just lots of reasons I think for teams to be interested in him. Uh, I don't know if he actually ended up making the cut for me, just because I know I put Torrance to the Jaguars, but. Like, I, I just think he's, like, right there. And it, I think I have – I took him when it was, like, 2-1, to one, stuff like that. I don't know I don't, I don't know if I'd bet it at, like, plus 125 or whatever it is now. But, yeah, I think that he is, like, in that interior line mix. And I, I think that, like, him, Bergeron, Torrance, like, might end up just being interchangeable at the end of the day. And, and that's kind of what you're hoping for is better. Now, the other pushback I'll have specifically with Dallas and as far as, like, Gibbs – I think Dallas absolutely has Charbonnet rated ahead of Gibbs. And I think when you start looking at Tony Pollard and having Zeke just left, I don't think they're looking to get a guy with a similar skill set as what Tony Pollard has. I think Charbonnet would be the much better fit there in Dallas if Dallas is to go running back. And I think Charbonnet would be in the second rather than the first. Oh, round one, Charbonnet, man. I mean, just blow the minds of everyone in the draft room. I mean, that would be wild. Well, the answer for me is I, I wish I can't even find him. He's not even available anywhere, but I would love to get down on some Julius Brent's round one. Um, Cause again, I, I kind of believe some stuff that Connor's heard around the Bengals looking at cornerback. Brent's is like a nine, 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 nine Raz guy, like almost a 10 flat. Um, 
I just it blows my mind that the teams are going to pass on you know 203 like six three corner who's a nine nine Raz for 155 pound Emmanuel Forbes, but that's definitely happening. Um, so I'm definitely going to move on and off of that take. But uh, I'd love to find a home, and, and I considered putting him at at, at 28 for Cincinnati, which is I'd love to just bet it to be honest, and, instead of mocking it. But it's almost like. And I don't want to like game the system in terms of like treating the mock draft ranking stuff like it's a GPP. And if you can get a guy that no one else has in there and on the team, like, uh, you know, it sets you up well. But, uh, I, you know, I do think that he's a guy that is in the consideration at the bottom end of the first round, I think is is coming up there. Uh, it's wild that he's not available considering some of the guys that you can bet to go in round one on some of these books. But, uh, yeah, here we are. So. All right, guys, I think we took enough of uh, the time. Again, this is uh, put a bow on it here. Is there anything else anyone has for the listeners while we uh, while we finish up? Final move the line mock draft show of the season. Call uh, you, yeah, I got one more little quick thing here. Skaronsky, 10 and a half. Jimmy Kemsky just came out with an article, and he put Skaronsky to the Eagles at 3%, below like 10 other guys. He said that they would be very interested in him uh, in a trade back. And they are the his only out in my opinion. So I don't know. I mean, Amico, I'm curious about that because I've been I know VR played the under at like eleven and a half, but that gives you the Titans a little bit. Titans Eagles, that's fine. Ten and a half though. I'm interested in the over. Yeah, I think so too, probably. I mean, I have so much Philly O line first, but like you said, like they're kind of his only out. And if they're not into him, like that's a that's a bit of a red flag. I mean, I think they could be more into him than, than maybe Kemsky lets on just because like he's so versatile and that's kind of actually like a, a, the best possible. Like it's a great fit for him. But yeah, like if they move back, if, like if some other team wants to come up and grab a quarterback or something, like all of a sudden you're there, like without even having to lose him going there. Right. And the guys that yeah, he my had- model. Yeah, Garf, go for it. My model has them sitting right at right over pick 11. So I have 11.04 as far as where the model has them. So I, I actually don't see really any other out than Philly. I think there's a, a long shot Hail Mary that maybe Las Vegas would be interested in, but I just think there's too much talent to pull a guard at seven. Um, so I, I think the over is, is, is safe. I think the board would have to fall way bad for uh, Philadelphia for uh, Skaronsky to be a pick at 10. He also had two guys over him. So he had Jalen Carter really high ranked up there, obviously, because, you know, if Jalen Carter fell there, they trade up for Jalen Carter. That's also in play. If he doesn't make past five, again, we don't think that's going to happen at this point. Um, but he also had Nolan Smith and Lucas Van Ness, both uh, at a higher percentage than Skronsky. Two guys that I think, uh, I think will maybe at least one of them will be there, almost certainly. So um, I don't know, something worth worth mulling over. Noonan, Scott, maybe maybe play that after this. Who knows? Yeah, and I'm still on board with the Christian Gonzalez overs as well, which we've uh, kind of been to, I think, at eight and a half. That's Scott shakes his head in this. I figure I probably tabered off there for a minute. Anyways, great show, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, shout out to Newton's Internet. Uh, appreciate all you guys hanging out for all of draft season here. You know, it's been a pretty lively uh pretty lively bunch here in the chat and you know it's been awesome to see everyone in the discord hanging out uh i think we're in a good spot to make some money for the most part obviously a couple takes didn't work out early on but i think for the most part that we're in a really good spot uh overall i know miko is as well he's been you know grinding this shit for months uh absolutely sweating it i i couldn't even fall asleep last night i was like so anxious with everything that was going on 
I'm sure you're the same way. Um, but appreciate you coming on, Amico. Yeah, definitely. Love chopping it up with you guys. And uh, yeah, we're praying. We're praying at the over on hours slept this year versus last year on draft night eve. Uh, yeah. Just got to turn on. Uh, I'm going to turn on draft day. I know a lot of other people do it as well, but uh, you know, it's, it's something that soothes me to know that, you know, there's plenty of other people who are crazy enough to watch that stupid movie every single year. Um, but it just gets me going. It gets me in the mood to, you know, win some draft bets over here, but Noonan, how's your internet doing? You want to, you want to give the outro here, any last minute plugs here or whatever? I think this is the worst of the episode of the season too, which is not the way to end. <laughs> uh, not, the, not the way to end. Um, but yeah, Miko, you're the man. We appreciate it. I can't put my poor wife through the draft day movie uh, with all that uh, she's had to deal with. Like she, I was on the phone that just, again, just death scrolling our chats uh, the other night. And she's like, Oh, I forgot about this. I'm like, yeah, it's, like there's no time for news like the news is when the news is babe like this is you know this is what happens and you know can maybe i'm not gonna buy a house like amico did last year off the draft but uh hopefully some nice cheese baskets for people and some other things that we could do to make it feel a little bit easier maybe massage or something for my wife uh, that makes it stomach the fact that i neglect my boys and my wife during uh, this time of year but hey it's all for the love of uh money and our subscribers too which we appreciate so uh, Miko, tell everyone where they can find all your stuff, buddy. Uh, we got the Dynasty stuff cranking at, at ETR. I mean, we're going to have all of our Dynasty rankings and, and all that will be updated throughout the weekend or probably about early next week once everything's dead, uh, settled. Uh, in the aggregate is the Substack. That's where I posted my final mock earlier today. So check that out as well. And uh, Noonan, I mean, listen, man, you talk about last year, last year, like we're, we're selling, if Levis, if Levis falls out of the top five, like we're selling. So like, this isn't a <laughs> home ownership could be short lived. You never know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Find me on the streets of Chicago. You'll see me in those videos, you know, like uh, stealing cars and shit. I'll, I'll be in the, I'll, I'll be, I'll be going live on Twitter for that. You know, we'll see. I'm, I'm not gonna have any money left. Yeah, unit size for uh, tackles next season looks a little different without some uh, some draft money here. So we need to have to come on back in. So uh, again, reminder, 444.com slash plans. You can get the betting subscription, access to everything on our sites. You can go over to the App Store, download Vivid. Uh, Vivid is a pick'em site that we've partnered with. You can use promo code 444BET. Minimum $5 deposit over there. Uh, and you can get a betting subscription for three months and get you a little bit of uh, access to the stuff that we have, all the things that we have going on. Again, just get the full-on betting subscription. It takes you through next football season. That's the way to go. So I uh, appreciate this as always. Scott, you've been fantastic. Again, looking forward to uh, continuing this relationship moving forward. It's been a, a absolute pleasure to work with and feel like pr- sharpened our process and, and made us uh, smarter as we go along. So we're looking go over to 444.com. Uh, you'll be able to find our mock drafts there tomorrow as well. So... Good times as always. I think the internet's going to hold for the outro. So for Connor, Amico, and Scott, I'm Ryan. We'll see you all next week for regular Move the Line shows. Thanks, everyone.